Welcome to episode 40 of Tegan Goes Vegan. I'm your host, Tegan Karuna. Before we get started with this week's guest, I wanted to say hello and thank you to Sylvia, who wrote me a really lovely email this week. It is always really nice for me to hear from people, whether that's through an iTunes review or an email or a Facebook message or whatever works for you guys. It it really helps me um, know what you guys like about the show and think about future guests who might be interesting and the kinds of topics that I could talk to people about. So if you have thoughts about the show, you can get in touch with me via email. I have a new email address. It's mail at tegangoesvegan.com. You can also Facebook message the page or Twitter or you could leave me a really nice review on iTunes and I can find, I guess you'd have to put your email address on there. Don't do that. Don't use iTunes as a way of getting in touch with me, but do use iTunes as a way of telling other people how you feel about this fantastic podcast that you listen to. Also, sorry if you hear some stuff in the background, Cleo is scratching up the back of a mirror, I think. Also, before we get started with this guest, I also wanted to let you guys know that I have started an email list. And if you'd like to sign up for like monthly emails, occasional emails, I'm not going to be writing you emails all the time. There's not that much to say. Nobody wants to read that many emails. Don't worry about it. It'll probably be something like, I'm still figuring out exactly what will go into the emails, but it will likely be a little digest of the episodes from the past month, and then some articles that are either interesting or maybe were mentioned in the course of an episode, something like that. Just a little bit of enhanced content for you if you're interested in that. If you are and you want to get these emails, you can go to tegangoesvegan.com slash contact. And at the very top in cursive letters, it'll say sign up for emails and you can just click right on there. If you're more of a direct URL kind of a person, you can also go to http colon slash slash e-e-p-u-r-l dot com slash c-g-i-7-m-x. It's a lot more difficult to type in than tegangoesvegan.com slash contact, but hey, you do you. And finally, I wanted to say hello to everybody who I met at the Phoenixville Veg Fest a couple weeks ago. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm glad that you found me and are listening to this amazing episode. And with that, we should get right into it. So this week I spoke with Jenny Marie, who is a fat-positive vegan activist. She and I talk about kind of the whole gamut of things from like intersectionality to finding the right vegan subculture to the the single vegan breakfast that caused her to make huge dietary changes and then lifestyle changes after that. I was really excited to talk to her because one of the things that I've noticed about a lot of vegan stuff online, a lot of vegan content, is that it is very, it, it can be very focused on body image and becoming lean or losing weight or all of these other things that to me are not the reason why people should become vegan. The the reasons are ethical, environmental, moral, spiritual, you know, it, it's about, you know, reducing the amount of suffering and increasing the amount of compassion in the world. Any physical byproducts of that are bonuses. I think that a vegan diet can be extremely healthy and certainly if you want to, you can lose weight on it. Um, But the focus on on kind of like the physical attributes of vegans is not great to me. (laughs) So I was really excited to talk to her. She is the publisher of Big Fat Vegan Zine, and she also runs the blog Spice Box of Earth, where she writes about her life and being vegan and intersectional and fat positive you can see her stuff at spiceboxofearth.co.uk. So with that, let's get into it. This is Jenny Marie. 
were you when you became vegan? I'm nearly 35 now, and I think it was probably about seven years ago. It's funny, I can't remember exactly when it was. Um, but yeah, it was probably about seven years ago, and um, I'd been veggie for a while. Um, and a friend of mine, I went to visit a friend of mine who had, who wasn't vegan, but she had uh, like food allergies, so a dairy allergy. So she'd made me some, like a, basically a vegan breakfast because it was veggie but dairy free and egg free. Um, and I just thought, well, I, you know, I could do this. I'll try it. And that was that. And, uh, and that was about seven years ago, I would say. And it was, it was really just like you had that one meal and you're like, oh, okay, this is not as hard as I thought it yeah, was going to be. I, mean, I think I'd kind of, at the back of my mind, I'd been thinking about it. I'd started to buy organic milk and, um, you know, free-range eggs. And I, I think at the back of my mind, I'd started to realise that it, it was logical. It was the next step. And um, if I care, you know, if, if, if the reason for being vegetarian was to do the least harm to animals, then... It made no sense to continue eating animal products. And I think that was just the push that I needed to show me that it probably wasn't going to be that hard. Um, and, and really, at the time, I just thought, I'll give it a go. I'll see how I get on. And and it, it was just completely overnight, really. Um, all animal products disappeared out of my diet. And then I just went on from there. That's I I'm generally heartened when I hear people say like oh yeah it was kind of a like slow mental decision but then the the like actual yeah. behavior change was really quick because that's very similar to what i did yeah um, i i felt it for years and, and i went from like full-on omnivore to vegan like overnight okay. um and and like i think i think that the gradual change is really useful for a lot of people probably most people but it is nice to hear that there are other people out there who were just like all right i'm washing my hands of this i'm done yeah. now i'm starting this new thing um, i think it's weird it's it's almost like when you you know when you kind of end a relationship and <laughs> you know you've mentally already detached yourself and it's just it's just about doing it mm-hmm. um, and I think it was a bit like that. There was definitely a build-up for me and a part of me that knew. And then it was just a case of doing it and somebody showing me that it was quite easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and like maybe six months in, you like send them a text and see what they're up to. And then you're like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so like what was it like with your like family and friends? Like when you decided to go vegan, Did was there like a lot of support or was it kind of tumultuous? Like what, what did that situation feel like for you? Well, I didn't, a bit like you, I, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know any vegans. I don't think I even knew any vegetarians, to be honest. Um, and so I did keep it quiet for a while, um, particularly from my family. I don't think that they were very, no, they weren't very impressed really. <laughs> and, um, They've really come round now. I think they've finally realised that you know I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change. Mm-hmm. Um, and now my partner is vegan as well, so it's like, it, 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 it's really cemented it in a way. Um, so, and then I just started to make more vegan friends, really. And I have to say that that now I have more vegan friends than non-vegan friends. I think really, um, but there was more to it than that. I think there was there was kind of something about. Um, something about the, the vegan community that the, the very specifically the kind of really progressive part of it um, that appealed to me quite a bit and I think I learned a lot about a lot of kind of political stuff really um, f- from that part of the vegan community and, and I started to make friends that were people that that sort of felt the same way as I did, not just about veganism, but about the world. And I think that's um, that's kind of increased as time's gone by. I, I probably have become a little bit more distant, I suppose, from some of my other friends that not in a, you know, it's not like I've cut them off or, or anything like that. I think I've just changed into this slightly different person and I've just surrounded myself with similar sort of people. Um, and that's that's been really good and really helpful. Um, but at the time 
no, I don't think that people were particularly... They weren't nasty about it, but I don't think they were very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say that, that like this new crop of friends that you are have been developing is more aligned with your understanding of the world, like what do you mean by that? Well, I think there was a lot of... Oh, it's really hard to describe. I mean, I suppose it's kind of, you'd put it in, you'd call it intersectional veganism, I suppose. This this kind of LinkedIn view of a lot of different oppressions and um, a sort of broader way of, of thinking about a lot of stuff um, in the world and not just keeping in sort of limited to animal rights, animal welfare, um, and leaving it at that, and uh, it's almost it's 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 that kind of um, same analogy. When you, you, I can't remember which book it is now, but there's a book about veganism where they say that once you know, you can't unknow. And I feel that way. I think also about this wider sort of view of the world that I was led to through a lot of these activists um, and vegan kind of. Oh, I don't really know what to call them. Like they're not quite scholars. They're not. They're just kind of prominent figures um, that promote this sort of intersectional veganism. Um, and I don't think I would have really come across it, to be honest, if um, if I hadn't been that involved in the vegan community online. So that's that's the sort of thing, I suppose. Um, and and the more the more I kind of get into that, the more. I realise that's for me that that sort of pocket of, of mm-hmm. veganism, you know, as opposed to, I think there are a lot of different sort of sub categories or sub kinds of um, of veganism, um, and I'm sure we'll probably get into some of them. Like, for example, the ones that are very um, that promote health and wellness and clean eating and all that kind of thing. Um, so that's yeah, that's the kind of thing that I mean when I say that. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That that if you kind of have, and I think that this is something that I'm starting to understand about myself, that if you kind of have those leanings anyway, where you kind of can see the connections between the the different problems, what is seen as disparate problems in the world. Yeah. Once you start to realize like there are communities of people who are looking at these things as like d- symptoms of the same problems. Yeah. Um, yeah that that becomes very appealing and you're like oh wait so i'm not the only person who sees that there are connections here and then there are all these people who've done so much good work writing about it and creating media about it that you can just like learn from them at your own pace it's it's really like a it's a good feeling it's good and i think it's i feel very lucky that um you know because what am i i'm just a middle-class white person from (laughs) england you know how how would I have known this stuff? And I, and like I said, I can't imagine having stumbled across it really in in any other way. And um, and so I do feel very grateful to to have my eyes opened um, by a lot of these people whose eyes have been forced open by their experiences, mm-hmm. by um, the way that they have lived, um, <clears throat> by the way that their community communities have been oppressed, and all that kind of thing. Um, so I do feel lucky. I'm grateful that um, I can learn. <laughs> you know, I can not just sit in my bubble and feel happy with that. You know, I can I can sort of have this wider view and and learn from what's happening. Mm-hmm. So um, you are primarily known online in you know like in the vegan internet sphere or whatever we want to call it for um, being a body positive, fat positive, vegan writer and zine publisher. So how did that come about? Like where, where did this, that part of your vegan story begin? Well, um, I've had, I've had my blog, um, for quite a few years and, oh, I don't know, to begin with, it was just silly sort of recipes and food and things like that i mean i've always been very internet based uh, you know i think that's just my age um <laughs> I, you know i had live journal i was i've just always had a home on the internet so it was kind of natural for me um to have a blog and i've had it for quite a long time and um 
I think, again, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I just became aware of body positivity, which I sort of, in many ways, see as separate to like fat positivity and um, particularly now that body positivity is, is really becoming very, well, a lot more prevalent really in, in things like Tumblr and Instagram and stuff like that. And um, I'd, in terms of my own, in my in my own coming to this point where I was embracing being fat positive and body positive, which is definitely not how I've always felt. Um, I think it was probably about, um, it's terrible I don't remember this, probably about two or three years ago, um, I came out of a really long and difficult relationship feeling just awful and bad about myself and I had this sort of culmination of things that happened um you know my relationship ended really suddenly um my dog got really ill done. I had to move house um I had to move house again I almost ran out of money and I think this weird shift happened in, in my kind of subconscious where I had so many things that I needed to worry about that this constant worry and not really worry I don't really know how to describe it I think anybody who's felt the same way would know but this this kind of constant feeling of I've just come out you know I've got fatter <laughs> whilst I've whilst this relationship has been falling apart and now I'm single and I'm gonna need to deal with this and it's really hard and I don't want to and I feel disgusting about myself and it, it just decades of feeling that way one day I just thought I can't I can't actually deal with that right now I'm going to take all of that and I'm going to package it up and I'm going to put it right to the back of all of these other things that have to be dealt with and I'm just and the kind of shedding of worrying about it was so unbelievably liberating and nice that I I just kind of started to think what if I just don't actually ever worry about that again I could just not go back to that constant dieting, losing weight, gaining weight, you know, that whole, anyone who's been through it knows what it's like. It's exhausting. It's horrible. You're feeling bad about yourself, not just in a kind of um, aesthetic way, but doctors telling you that you're doing it wrong, you know, the media telling you you're doing it wrong, online dating telling you you're doing it wrong. And I just thought, I just... I, I can't be bothered. And it was almost as if I was saying, fine, I'll just, you know, I'm living with my dog. I'm very happy. I'll be single and I'll eat what I want and do what I want. And that's fine. And it was only at that point, I think, that I started to be more receptive, actually, to body positive stuff. And I think in a weird parallel to when you see messages about veganism and about um, animal agriculture or whatever, and you, you kind of shut it out. I think I'd always shut out anything that was kind of trying to tell me that it was okay to be fat and I, I could just jump straight to the front of the queue and be happy with it and not have to go through all these awful feelings and all of this trying to lose weight. And um, so I suddenly became receptive to that and I just started to absorb it all and I just started to really look into it and become familiar with some of these people that aren't vegan but like Lindy West and Jess Baker, Virgie Tovar, these really amazing fat positive people who would just have such powerful unapologetic voices and I just started to absorb it really over time and I started to not feel guilty about not caring. <laughs> um, yeah and it's just sort of led on from there really and I think now I'm I've got to the point where I, I, I'm I'm happy with. It's hard to describe. I'm not like completely happy with my body necessarily. I'm not ready to walk around in a bikini, but I'm happy with not caring, <laughs> which is new for me. <laughs> I um, I would be surprised if even the most the you know kind of like the most advanced body positive, fat positive people feel amazing about themselves every single day because we all have natural variations in how we feel about ourselves on yeah. the whole spectrum of our characteristics. Yeah. So it, something tells me that like even people who are at the most peace probably have a day or two here or there where they're like, oh, you know, it'd be cool if whatever. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we're all just human. Even <laughs> even the most enlightened among us are just human beings. I think the difference now is that whenever I... It makes me angry now. It makes me angry to see how pressured... How, how embedded and how insidiously sort of accepted it is that that every woman who's fat should should probably be on some kind of weight loss journey like it's okay to be fat so long as you're trying to lose weight or something right, yeah talking about about weight loss and in in you know workplaces and all, all over the place the way that you know you're treated by by the medical industry basically um you know a lot of these studies that have been done about how medical professionals perceive uh, fat people and and how that can affect how they treat them how they can um you know ignore studies that can say that fat people can be metabolically healthy um it, it you know it can happen and all of this stuff now it just whereas before i would have thought well perhaps you know i probably should just not take that seriously and i should just do what i'm told and what what my doctor tells me to do and all that kind of thing now it makes me angry really that i was sucked in by it for such a long time and that other people continue to be sucked in by it um, so so let's uh, we'll make the connection to all of the vegan stuff yeah. in a minute but but let's get into kind of the like the main argument about fat positivity is that you can be both healthy and fat. You can be metabolically healthy, which means you don't have diabetes or insulin resistance and you have healthy levels of cholesterol and all of that kind of stuff. And your heart function is great. Right. And then that the size of your body or the amount of fat on your body doesn't necessarily have any connection to like your internal processes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that health at every size as an approach is is very much like that. Um, I think fat positivity is a bit more about saying, well, actually, it doesn't matter even if you are unhealthy. It's like, you know, your body, your your business kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it it's 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 that difficult. It's that strange thing where people are perceived as being. Um, somehow a drain on systems and a drain on resources if they quote choose to be fat um, and there's a lot of that rhetoric here in the UK because we have the National Health Service which is quote free but we do we do contribute but it basically is and so people fat people are, are really seen um, similarly as for example smokers who people perceive as being this huge drain on this resource for everyone because and it's their own fault and um so i think that health at every size definitely promotes health i think that's probably at its core um but like you say it very much sort of says let's not concentrate on your body weight or what size you are let's concentrate on these these other indicators of health um and I think fat positivity um, takes it is a bit more radical, I think, because that's saying, well, whether you're healthy or not healthy, if you're fat, you're still a human being and <laughs> you deserve respect and you deserve to be happy sort of thing. Uh, and that's why I think that fat positivity is actually slightly more radical than, than body positivity, which is a little bit of the way there, but not quite all the way there. So let's let's get into kind of the um the idea that your that that a person's health status is their own um it's their own business but but that is complicated by something like the NHS or in the US um something like Medicare which is our um closest thing to socialized medicine for yeah. elderly and disabled people and then Medicaid which is um, health insurance, government-provided health insurance for uh, people with low incomes. So there is, like, a, that tension, I don't think it's as clear in the U.S. Um, that uh, that the perception of fat people is that they are a drain on these systems, but it seems like that's, that's like, really an issue in the U.K. So, like, what is that argument about? Well, I think what they're saying is it's, it's, it's selfish to to indulgently go through your life 
stuffing your face with food, being fat, and drain being a drain on resources by needing oh like more medication and treatments and things like that these diseases which you are definitely going to get because you're a fat person or any kind of weight loss surgery that you might need to get they you know newspapers run stories on people that are that are massively overweight um saying you know and they'll actually put in a quote about how much the surgery is going to cost to the taxpayer and uh and that sort of thing um so and it's again it's just it's this perception that that fat people are you know a lazy b unhealthy c they can avoid it all it's been their own choice to to be the way that they are and d that they are actually causing a big drain on resources and the fact that the fact that the medical sort of industry well it doesn't do anything to challenge that really it it kind of backs it up in a lot of ways i i think um you know all of these freight all of the i mean like you said about obesity obesity epidemic obesity mm-hmm. crisis all of this stuff um doesn't really help and it's it's seen very as, as very much acceptable i think to to it's unacceptable to sort of criticize a fat person you know because of because of their size, if you know what I mean, but it's but it's okay to criticise them if if you're saying but you're unhealthy and that's and that's not good. <laughs> like we all accept that's not good, so it's okay for me to criticise you for that sort of thing. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting to me that like we are we we don't have a great understanding of the environmental factors and by environmental, I mean like societal and actual environment, um, how those factors influence our weight. You know, one of the things that I work on in my professional life is a project about trauma and that there's a direct link between childhood and adult trauma and gaining weight and, and being at what is, you know, quote unhealthy weight. Um, and and that doesn't seem to figure into the conversation. I don't know if it's just too nuanced, um, but you know, if you were if you were abused as a child, you were more likely to be overweight or obese as an adult. Um, and yeah. th- you know, those lines have been clearly drawn via scientific study, and that doesn't make it into the conversation. And there's not a lot that people can do about that. It's like a neurological and biological process that gets you know, overridden by this trauma. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that there are there are a few studies um, that have looked at various things. So there are some studies that have looked at how, how influenced by genetics your weight will be, twin studies and things like that. Um, and again, this is, this is what I mean when I say some of it's quite scientific and I struggle with it um, because it's not my background at all. Um, but there have been studies about... Um, how weight loss, like um, sort of consistent calorie controlled diets can raise cortisol levels, um, about how weight cycling, that's when you go drastically up and drastically down, which I have done in my life a few times, can um, can have a negative effect on these other indicators of health. Um, various studies, there's a good website called The Fat Nutritionist, and she's got a really good collection of resources of studies and things um but to be honest with you i do think that there are a lot of vested interests really you know um the the diet industry for example is huge it's absolutely massive and it's 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 you know these things get sold in in pharmacies and in chemists as as health products you know and they're basically weight loss products and i just i just don't think that the medical industry is is yet ready to, to to make any sort of shift like this, and I think that that in my experience anyway, doctors don't tend to know know a lot about nutrition and a lot about um they 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 take what was sort of given to them in their training and they just go with it, and that can be can be harmful <laughs> to people because they can ignore. You know, there's one um, blog, and I can't remember what it's called now, but people submit stories of where medical staff have basically not pursued the right sort of lines of inquiry because they've just told people to lose weight. And, you know, I get told to lose weight nearly every time I go to the doctor, and I have done for, like, 
30 years <laughs> and it almost doesn't matter what you go for you know they'll still tell you that and it's a, it's considered to just be the right thing to do and it's and i feel like saying to them well how about the fact that no weight loss programs there is literally not one weight loss program that has been shown to have a long-term for long-term weight loss to be effective i think the figure is something like 95 percent of people gain the weight back you know and i feel like saying to them well what diet do you recommend exactly because there is not one that exists that has been shown to effectively produce long-term weight loss but they don't you know they don't think about that they just know what they've been told and what to pass on so um I, I think that people are not ready to have those conversations yet, particularly in, you know, in the realm of public health or, or whatever, which I know very little about, but that's the impression that I get anyway. Yeah, I I think that, you know, my understanding of at least U.S. medical education is that nutrition is a very small part of it. And that's often one of the criticisms from the vegan community is that, you know, lean protein and you know animal products get pushed so hard as part of a healthy diet but if if you start looking at at least some of the newer research the picture is not nearly as clear about the need for animal products for health um you know i i won't go out and make any proclamations about one being healthier than the other because i'm not a scientist and i'm not going to do that but it seems like there's um a lot of evidence showing that things are not, the picture's not as clear as we thought it was. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's a good sort of, um, some, you know, analogy to, to draw on. I think it's true that, and this links in with what I'm sure we'll talk about, which is this this idea that veganism is kind of inherently healthy and will save you and, you know, protect you from any and all diseases and and we'll just turn you into some kind of superhuman. Whereas, yeah. you know, I'm pretty sure, I do not condone this in any way, but I'm fairly sure that if somebody were to go through life eating a, a really, quote, healthy, sort of whatever, low-fat, low-salt, low-sugar kind of plant-based diet, but then also lean fish and chicken or whatever, I'm sure they probably would actually be quite healthy. Um, but that doesn't... You know that doesn't mean that it's right, and it it's it's not ethically it's, right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, to, so to me, it's 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 like well, it's that's why to me it's not about being healthy. I, that's why I don't like to see veganism sold that way, if you like, because I think it can alienate a lot of people, um, and it's it could be a false promise, and I just don't think that that helps anyone really. Yeah, I mean, I can, I will definitely go on the record as saying that becoming vegan did not, I did not lose weight when I became vegan, but it also wasn't why I was doing it. No, yeah. And so that wasn't an, that wasn't an effect I was looking for. Um, But it definitely is sold that way in, in, you know, and sold meaning as part of activism. And, And you hear a lot about, you know, like, you should be thin and, and, you know, trim and and attractive so that you're you know more enticing to other people to become vegan which is like the most disgusting argument i can think of well which to me kind of says well you know one of the first books i read was skinny bitch one of the first vegan books i read and i read it from front you know from front to back and i put it down and i just thought well then (laughs) it's not written for me and i continued to be vegan and that was fine but I didn't see myself in it. It didn't speak for me. It didn't represent me. There was just nothing about it that appealed to me. It just made me feel really rubbish about myself. And I think that it depends... Appealing, you know, selling veganism in this way, that it will make you glowing and slim and healthy, that's not what everybody necessarily is looking for. Um, That's, you know, and I think that that's why I want to sort of come along and say, do this whole fat vegan thing. Cause I'm kind of saying, well, here's, here's a way that maybe a lot of people can see themselves in a way that they have only been alienated before. Um, how many people, you know, we don't know because no, nobody's ever really tried in a big way. To, and I certainly don't think I'm going to, I'm going to have a huge, massive effect, but I'd quite like to just, try and, and put forward this alternative view really um 
it, it, because I don't really see in it, it's so prevalent online on youtube on blogs you know a lot of it's about clean eating about wellness and you watch these what i ate in a day videos and i just think god where did you you know how do you have the time to buy all those seeds and supplements and put them all in jars and plan what you're eating when i just sometimes come home and have toast for dinner because i'm so tired (laughs) you know it's uh, i think you need it's there are real people who just don't live those sorts of lives. And I think it's not to promote being unhealthy or anything like that, but just to promote being a regular real person who might be fat, who might not be, but who is fully committed to ethical veganism and what that looks like. Um, Yeah. I think there's, it seems to me based on, you know, what I, the media that I've consumed is that there are people who are vegan for ethical and other reasons. And then there are people who are vegan for health reasons. And and neither of those is, you know, necessarily the wrong choice for an individual, but I think it's very easy to get the, to conflate the two and, and to think that all vegans are, you know, living this very whole foods, no oil, low salt, you know, like that, all of these other things, gluten-free, like all this other stuff, like piled on top of it. When, you know, at least for me as a person who is motivated by ethics and environment and public health concerns, you know, none of that stuff factors in. I, I eat lots of whole foods because I like them, but not because I feel like I have to. Yeah. 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 And I think also, you know, it can, it can, it can alienate people that, and maybe in communities where they just don't really have access to those sorts of foods or they don't necessarily have um, the knowledge or the skills to cook uh, what we would regard as whole, you know, from whole foods, from scratch kind of meals and things like that. And people don't necessarily think about who they are not including and for the reasons the reasons why you know i i for example at the end of last year was was really ill for a few months and one of the things that happened was that i just got really bad fatigue and i was just tired all the time and i love to cook i love to cook and bake and i literally ended up like i said just having toast for dinner for for so you know so many weeks at a time sometimes and that you know i felt really awful about it but I was struggling with this other thing that was happening and I think you just got to be if I would have if I would have sat there and watched all these YouTube videos about clean eating and healthy eating I probably would have just oh I would have felt awful about myself because it would be just so far removed from my reality at that time no matter how tired I got I would have never wandered into a McDonald's and eaten a hamburger you know what I mean but 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 I would still have cut corners on eating quote healthy but within within my ethics and within my veganism uh, because of something that I didn't have any control over at the time um and I just wonder what what we can do if we these these videos and these blogs and things you know they're brilliant for people who are interested in that and who but and but I just don't want that to be the only kind of face of of what ethical veganism looks like um for two reasons. One, so that people can see themselves, uh, can identify with a, a different sort of approach, but also because I see veganism being interpreted by the media, by people who are not vegan and who don't know a lot about the community. And it's almost, I've never, ever seen it interpreted in any other way than than health and clean eating. And it just drives me bonkers every time I see it. Um, and people who are not vegan must see that and just think, well, maybe that's not for me if that's not what they're interested in. And we don't want to be doing that. <laughs> I, I, that would certainly have never appealed to me. Uh, so I yeah. think it's, it's good to diversify it a bit. Yeah. And I think we, that this problem and getting back to kind of the intersectionality conversation, you know, that is an issue across the board with lots of different subgroups of vegans, Definitely. right? You know, it, it is a thin white women's 
thing in the media. Like that is who is vegan. And so anybody who is different from that is, you know, is just not represented very well. So there is kind of this like upswell of people who are looking to, you know, show that vegans are of all colors, all ethnicities, all body sizes. You know, this, this is starting to be a real thing in the movement, which is great. Yeah. And it's weird because I feel in some, in some small way that this, this is sort of where I'm trying to slot in with, with some of these other groups that are kind of saying, we're also vegan. We don't look like the vegan that, that everyone thinks is typical, but here we are. And, you know, if, if you were, um, if, if you were a sort of young black person and, and you were feeling like I'm ethically, I feel like this is for me, but, you know, with who do you do who with who do you identify? And now there are these amazing resources. There's Black Vegans Rock and stuff like that. And they've got they've I think people people will often do what they see and they'll often this is this is why representation is so important because people will see something and say, Yeah, that could be me, I could do that. That's me represented. Brilliant. And that's easier uh, for people who don't necessarily want to kind of blaze a trail. No you know, people shouldn't have to if they don't if they don't really want to and yeah I think I think this upswell that you describe is brilliant I mean I just love it and I'm being a bit cheeky really and and sort of identifying with that a bit and saying yeah here's another way in which in which we don't regard vegans as typical but here I am I'm fat and I'm a vegan and I'm really committed to it and I'm sure there must be others as well that feel the same way yeah it's it is I think an important aspect of ethical veganism to have these um to have all of these voices and you know faces represented um and it, and it does kind of highlight the difference between somebody who is vegan purely for health reasons um yeah. and, and i think that those people are f- somewhat rare i think that most people who s- maybe even start off for health reasons end up looking into the ethical and the environmental impacts as well and kind yeah. of change their, they, they change their perspective over time. Yeah. But I think that, yeah. that like the YouTubers specifically that, you know, we're making reference to are, you know, it is about the health benefits or the perceived health benefits of a vegan diet. And that, that those motivations are very different from kind of a, what I think of as the broader vegan community which is yeah. more motivated by ethics. Yeah, yeah. Have you yeah. found a lot of people who are identifying as fat vegans? Um, there is a really amazing artist um, called Rad Fat Vegan. Um, she has a website. She's done a lot of stuff in the past. I kind of think um, she's taking a bit of a ba- break from it now, and I do not blame her because it's exhausting. Um, she's produced some amazing. She has a. Sh- um, if you Google Rad Fat Vegan, you'll find her website and her shop and stuff. And she's done some amazing um, pieces of artwork um, around body positivity and stuff like that. Um, there is another lady called Helen Statton um this odd artist she also identifies as kind of body positive fat positive and she's vegan and she's produced a few things and to be honest that's it that's really it I've if anyone I say this every time if anyone knows of anyone else like please tell me I would love to know um but it's this crossover you know this Venn diagram between that positive people and and vegans is tiny this sort of public view or some kind of hub online or whatever you know some some community it's just teeny teeny tiny and and i think the fact that i'm that it's taking me so long to get submissions for this is the zine is representative of that um and yet i know from feedback that i've had from people that they kind of say, oh my God, I'm so glad you're doing this because I'm a fat vegan and I've just normally kept quiet about it and not said anything and not been able to 
sort of identify with anyone or and I, I think that part of body positivity is really important that that sort of online community being able to curate you know your instagram feed your tumblr feed with these positive images and these positive messages that really apply to you and when it comes to fat veganism this 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 little crossover there's just hardly anything and I have Google Alerts set up, you know, for anything that pops up. And there's just, it's very rare, very, very rare. And I'm trying to tease out, you know, I think, I know, I know there's a whole community of people that that feel that way. And I'm, I'm just trying to, it's taking a long time though. So yeah, that, that cross, I'm just trying to make it bigger, really. Yeah, one of the... One of the problems that I've had as I've started to consume more either body positive or fat positive or health at any size, like all of those kind of the, those uh, Instagram accounts in particular, I don't know why I've like latched onto it on Instagram and basically nothing else. Um, but one of the things that has been a real problem for me is how much animal based food is part yes. of that is part yeah. of that world. And, and it's just like, I don't want to see pictures of your cheeseburger and I don't want to see pictures of your yeah. omelet. Like I, I don't want that yeah. stuff on my feed at all. And it's so really sad it's hard. Yeah. Like saying, you know, you'll have a few days where it's these really amazing pictures and messages. And then suddenly you, you've got like a rack of ribs or something. Right. And you're just like, no, why? no, it's, oh, and that's one of the reasons that vegans are often not accepted in fat positive or health at every size communities because they're seen as restricting them themselves. And that's not what you do if you're fat positive or if you're talking about health and every size. You know, restricting what you eat is not what you do. And it's so hard. Anyone who, I mean, I've said this to other people that are vegan and they're like, oh, God you're right it's so hard to convince people that i'm not restricting myself yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like apart from animal products i will eat anything right anything, you know literally anything apart from all this stuff and to them that other stuff is such a huge part of their their consumption practices that they think you must be just literally eating lettuce and chia seeds. There must be nothing else. And I go, no, no, I, I eat loads of junk and stuff when I want to. I indulge. I, you know, I do not deny myself. <laughs> and it's it's very difficult to convince people of that. And that puts this barrier up between these two communities. Um. So yeah, there there is a lot of that in these. It's difficult because I do follow a lot of these people, and I just have to have to scroll on past anything that pops up that is like a triple decker burger or something like that. I don't want to see it, you know. I I just don't want to see it, and I just feel sad that I can't absorb these messages and these positive messages without having to see that sort of thing. Yeah, it it always astonishes me. And it shouldn't because like I was this person two years ago, so I really shouldn't be surprised. But it is really interesting to me, people who do understand kind of like the, the broader social justice issues in the human animal realm are just like not there yet with seeing how there is crossover with the non-human animal world and the injustices that are happening there. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm hoping that like in the next few years we start seeing more of that movement. Um, But I think you're right. I think that the, the idea that a vegan diet is restrictive is, it it is restrictive, but if you're not, if you don't follow the diet, if you, if you follow it because you know that it's wrong to consume those products, then it doesn't feel restrictive. At least Uh to me, like it's just not even food anymore. And so like, it's just not appealing Somebody yeah. could have a burger sitting right next to me and no part of me is like, oh, yeah. I wish I'd ordered that instead, but I'm being good and getting the veggie burger. You know, that's not the mentality. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, somebody might as well say that I'm restricting myself by not eating the cutlery or the plate. You know, it's, 
it's just not like that. It's it's hard to explain. And I myself, I, I'm actually don't use Facebook anymore personally. Um, but when I used to, I was a member of a couple of these groups, these kind of health at every size type groups. And it would come up again and again. And every time I would fight that fight and I would, you know, try my hardest to say, you have to respect that, that, that this is not us restricting ourselves. We're not dieting for weight loss or anything like that. This is an ethical choice. And, you know, you need to stop telling us that we're not welcome sort of thing. Um, and it just happened one too many times. And I just thought, oh, I'm, it's too exhausting. You know, I'll just walk away from it sort of thing. Um, but it is, it's so hard when somebody doesn't feel that way. And I'm sure I was the same before I was vegan. Um but like you say, I just don't see it as food. So why would I feel restricted? And there are so many other things that I can eat and I do eat. And it gets easier, doesn't it? I mean, as time goes by and you learn what you like to cook and what you can buy. And I'm lucky in my city there are a lot of, you know, we've got a vegan diner and we've got all these amazing cafes and stuff. It's There are all these brilliant places I can go with friends who aren't vegan and I can sit next to them and have pizza as well. The more that happens, the less it's seen as, as restrictive, I suppose, by people that would just assume it otherwise. But it is a it is a difficult one to to get people to 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 agree with, or even just to disagree but accept. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I remember when I started a new job, and you know, slowly the word gets out that I that I and vegan you know it's like a, it's it's a very slow thing I don't like broadcast it in yeah. in my professional life um but it was a lot there were a lot of questions about like well do you eat gluten do you eat yeah. you know do you eat carbs do you you know and it was very much like the framework that everybody had was that it had to be health related and it well, could, yeah you know yeah. Yeah, and so and I had to be like no, I definitely eat refined sugar. Um yeah. I definitely eat gluten. I eat all of these things <laughs> because yeah. that's not relevant to me in you know, in my diet. Um Yeah. And yeah. and just like that that process was very uh it was really interesting to me because it it showed me just how much like a more general public perceives a vegan diet yeah and i think i mean here in the uk we had um a few weeks ago the v our our kind of vegan society the vegan society mm-hmm. had had um commissioned some uh, like a survey about and they wanted to find out how many vegans there were in the uk oh yeah and so they produced this report saying that there were, I can't remember now, however many, half a million or something vegans in the UK. And because they'd released this report, a lot of newspapers uh, reported on it. And there was one particular newspaper, which is out of a bad bunch, probably the least horrible one (laughs) here. (laughs) And is the one that I choose to read. And they did the most ridiculous article and it just drove me crazy. And I think that I wrote a big blog post kind of um, talking about it. And that, I just despaired. I just thought, is this is this really... You know, obviously they've got someone who doesn't know anything about veganism to write this article. And they've done it in a really short space of time because they've, they've just mentioned these kind of, like, Beyonce and uh, Thug Kitchen and mm-hmm. stuff that's probably come up in the first three pages of their Google search. <laughs> I just kind of thought, really? Is this really the, you know, the... Is this the view that we present to people? Is this what people think? It's just, I'm just despair, really. Still seen as this sort of alien race. And that's something that really hasn't changed, I don't think. And that's why I really love that there are all these different communities now kind of saying, we are also the face of veganism. This is also what it looks like in reality. I want, I want so much more of that to happen because I think we need to challenge this this public perception, like you say, of this sort of white, uh, healthy, yoga-doing, um, clean-eating 
sort of person who has access to all these expensive health foods because that's just it's just not true um and i just thought that articles like that and all the papers were doing similar i mean that was that was probably the best out of all of them or the least awful and i thought here we are then now this is this is where we are right now at this point in time that's that's the view that people are being fed and given and that's what everyone thinks now who isn't vegan or doesn't know someone that's vegan who's managed to convince them that it's actually not like that you know (laughs) just oh depresses me (laughs) yeah it's it's definitely a a tough situation to be in when you know this is still an extreme minority like being vegan is still being an extreme minority in terms of lifestyle and you know i think it's going to take a lot more people becoming vegan for for this conversation to really change um you know just because right now the the most fun people to cover or like the ones who are going to sell the most ad space online are going to be like the thin attractive ones um and there's nothing wrong with being thin and attractive like that's fine but in terms of like the stories being told and the people being represented it you know that's a limited slice of who is actually vegan and and if we are thinking about these things in terms of enticing other people to become vegan we need a more varied look there yeah i mean i shouldn't be surprised because you know the media in general is so not diverse but it's Mm -hmm. it's uh it's representative of of, obviously a broader a broader issue but anyway (laughs) yeah and and i think we are all starting to talk about it a lot more than even 10 years ago um and and that's gonna have nothing but good things And, and change takes time whether we want it to or not and Hopefully, ten years from now, we could you and I can have this conversation. It'll be totally different. We'll be like, "Do you remember when we couldn't yeah. get a picture of somebody who was a person of color and was um, had a bigger body? Do you remember those days? Oh, that was yeah. so long ago, and that'll be really nice." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, if people want to find your work, like, where can they find you online? Um, where do you do your writing? Where do you? What social media do you use? Well, um, mostly everything is kind of based around my blog, uh, which is spiceboxofearth.co.uk. And um, the zine is bigfatveganzine.tumblr.com. And that's linked to from my blog. Um, I try not to do too much other social media because um, I've, I don't know, I get a bit overwhelmed with it sometimes and I've, I've kind of recently switched day jobs as well so um i've 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 kind of been <laughs> a bit of a hermit <laughs> i kept up with everything but my blog is where to me i want it to be a sort of hub of um this kind of intersectional body positive fat positive brand of veganism uh and so whilst i do write stupid posts about what I ate and whatnot. I also use that as a space to kind of comment on on other things and just moan really. <laughs> but hopefully in a in a funny and engaging way. Um but yeah it has been a little bit abandoned recently because I've 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 changed jobs so uh, <laughs> I Man, need to, I need these to damn day job these damn day jobs yeah, they really well, get exactly. in the way of the fun stuff, right? I know, I know, yeah. It's not good. But, <laughs> um, so uh, before I let you go, since we were talking about um, food and what we like to eat, uh, do you have dinner plans? What are you making tonight for dinner? Well, um, I've been on a really big... Um, I can't get enough dal recently. Mm. I just can't have enough. I, I just love it. And uh, we've got absolutely loads of red lentils. So I think... Well, though we did have curry for lunch, so I don't know. I might, I might get voted down on that. But um, <laughs> if we're feeling lazy, we might just end up having pie or something. But um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really into dal at the moment. I absolutely love it, just with like some uh, basmati rice and a kind of like a bit of salad and yeah, it sounds really good. Rice. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds really good. But, I recently, now we're just like going totally off topic, but I recently started shopping at an Asian grocery store uh, near my house and they have these little cans of really, really spicy curry paste. 
like all different types. There's like green and, and red and yellow and types that I haven't even heard of. And so I, I'm like obsessed with those and I put the, that in everything now. So I'm going to make uh, like a Thai noodle thing today and I'm so excited about it already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I also can't get enough of rice noodles at the moment either. Mm. Rice noodles. Any any noodle is fine by me. I'm yeah. I'm on board with all noodles of all shapes and yeah. all sizes. It's, it's strange actually because my uh, our dog loves anything that's kind of noodle shaped. <laughs> if we if we make pasta, so if we make pasta and we have like penne or something, she's not really interested. But if we have spaghetti, we have to save some for her because she gets upset if we don't save some plain spaghetti for her to eat. Um, oh, it's like a Lady in the Tramp situation. <laughs> Like she just knows if it's noodle shaped. I don't know how, but she does. So, if we do have rice noodles, I'll have to keep some to one side for. My cat is really into tortillas and bread. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, who knows? Cats and dogs and their weird carbs. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. I suppose we all have our preferences, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. All right. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for being on the show with me and talking with me about all this cool stuff. Tegan Goes Vegan is produced by Tegan and Nathan Karuna, with music by Amanda D'Amato. To learn more about the show, you can go to TeganGoesVegan.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TeganGoesVeganPodcast, and on Twitter at TeganGoesVegan. You can also sign up for emails at TeganGoesVegan.com slash contact. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate and review on iTunes at bit.ly slash veganpodcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with more great vegan content.